0: Today, we're talking about stewarding treasure. We've been in a series about stewardship. We started off with time. Last week was talent, and this week is treasure. So let me just go off and say right out the gate here that I have some tough things to talk about today. And uh, bear with me, if, if you hear um, something that ruffles your feathers or anything like that, um, I'm not apologizing, but uh, my mission, my win today is that I speak the truth in love to everyone here, and uh, the scripture tells us to do that um, among the body of believers, just to speak the truth in love. Uh, One of the reasons I kind of got the opportunity to do this message is I recently uh, chose a different career path. I went back into coaching. And so if you've heard me speak before, too, you may hear a little different tone. That's because I've been in coaching mode for like the last six weeks. And uh, so I I speak a little differently now to crowds. Um, And you can maybe tell my voice is a little uh, weaker than usual, too. Um, And I train youth athletes, so I have to yell sometimes. Uh, Disclaimer, we are not going to talk specifically directly about money behaviors, Okay, I'm not Dave Ramsey, all right? He has a radio show, AM 700, 2 to 4, five days out of the week. You can tune into to him if you want to learn some money behaviors or just, there's a lot of books out there, there's a lot of good resources. We're not going to directly talk about money behaviors today uh, because, honestly, treasure is more than that. Treasure is more than just our money. And uh, we are going to talk about giving, but again, not directly, so... Uh, No worries. The ushers are going to stay seated. We're not going to go for a second round or anything like that. You guys are safe here. Don't worry about it. All right. Here's the bottom line for today. I'm going to ask you to uh, grab the Bibles that you got with you or that are underneath your chairs and turn with me. We're we're wrapping up a topical series, and there is a main uh, section of scripture that we're going to study today. But we're also going to do some bouncing around. So first place I want you to turn is 1 Chronicles 29. That's in the Old Testament. Uh, and we we do a page number thing, right? Andy, you got the page number? 306. 306 for the page number, all right? This is really going to encapsulate what the heart of this message is today. 1 Chronicles 29 verses 11 and 12. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Let me put that in kind of my own words, and if you're taking notes, this may be the first bullet point you want to make in your notes today. I'm going to put that in my own words and then add a little extra that'll really kind of be our overarching theme today. Everything is from God, and that is every space thing. Everything is from God, and it is all His, and He gives to us treasures on earth to steward until Christ returns. Now I'm going to ask you to flip to the New Testament, Matthew 25. Uh, We're going to be looking at the parable of the talents, and that is uh, verses 14 through 30. But first, let me just tell you, before we read that, we are looking at this parable basically through two lenses. We're going to look at the heart of stewardship, the heart of stewarding treasure. And secondly, we're going to look at um, the two implications of stewardship, the now and the eternal. Sometimes you may hear the word temporal or earthly or something like that, but I'm going to use the word now uh, to contrast eternal because um, there, as you will see, there is a sense of urgency. I believe the word now really kind of calls us to action. So let's read uh, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Let me get there myself. Sorry, guys. All right, here we go. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, and yes, we talked about talents last week. This is a little different. All right, this is a uh, this is a sum of money here. Uh, to one he gave five talents. To another two. To another one each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. But the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the one talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will, will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me pray real quick before we uh, jump in here. Uh, Lord, we believe that your word is true. We believe that it is inerrant, it is without flaws. And um, Lord, we just recognize that we are human and we have faults and we. Uh, don't have everything together. And we're not always right. So we rest in uh, the authority of your word, Lord. And just today, I pray that you would use me. Holy Spirit, please um, speak through me uh, the truth in love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go. Verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus in the middle of... Describing the kingdom of heaven, we see the parable before this. Jesus intros. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like, and he's giving another parable here to show his audience what the kingdom of heaven will be like. And that is important to us because uh, we're talking about stewarding treasure today. But Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. Why would he put money to describe the kingdom of heaven? Um. It's an interesting question, and I recently heard an answer that I liked on a podcast. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot of research on this, but it really moved me when I heard this, and I thought, That's, that sounds right. That feels right. So one of the reasons that Jesus uses money in this parable and other teachings is because he knows, being 100% God, 100% man, he knows our hearts just like God knows our hearts, and he knows that humans don't have to be motivated anything beyond money, right? We are intrinsically motivated by money. That's just how it is. I go to work to get paid, okay? That's just the truth. And if you want to further motivate me in my work, give me more money, all right? It's not hard, right? I mean, game shows. You're either going to win some money or a brand new car. Here's your treasure, right? We're intrinsically motivated by Things, treasures, money, whatever it is, okay? So Jesus knows that, so he's going to use a parable to describe the kingdom of heaven, illustration with money, because if we knew what the kingdom of heaven was, we would be intrinsically motivated. We wouldn't need any other motivation to love God, love Jesus, if we just understood the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's where we start here, okay? So that's our context Also, good to know that in this parable, the master is Jesus. The servants, the three servants, that's us, the body of believers. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. A guy who's been discipling me for a few years now, this is his little saying, and I like it and it's not always fun for me to hear, but God decides who gets what. God decides who gets what. If We're going to believe, you know, that First Chronicles verse, and basically my overarching theme, everything is from God, it is all his. He owns it all. So he decides who gets what. You don't have to like it. It's okay. I don't always like it either. Okay, I'm going to level with you on this stuff. I'm not um, a money manager. I'm not uh, well-to-do. I don't have everything figured out. Uh, In my house, we learn our finances. We try to plan and be smart, but we also got to learn by making some mistakes, too. So I'm with you on this, okay? But we, we don't have to like it, but we do have to acknowledge it as true. And it's not that the third servant who received one talent wasn't trusted. It's just that he was trusted with one talent. He's still in the inside group. I mean, of three guys, he gets something to steward and uh, did a little Googling here, okay? A little Google search here. A talent, according to our Bibles, is about 20 years of a laborer's wage, okay? So, 2014, I'm going to go a little conservative here, about average wage for an average laborer, 2014, for just that year was $20,000, okay? So that should mean over 20 years that's 400k. So one talent was 400k. Okay? It's not like he got a penny. He got $400,000 to steward, all right? So it's not we're talking a pretty good sum here, right? The guy with 5 got like 2 million. Okay? It's not that one is better than the other. There's abilities, we're all made a certain way. Listen to Nori's sermon last week. We've got talents. God expects us to use them. Okay. As we move forward, we're going to see that not just the abilities, there's some gaps there between these three servants. We're also going to see some gaps in their motives as we go forward here, which leads us to a question. As so we look through verses 16 through 23, what motivates our stewardship? For us individually, what motivates our stewardship? And I'll tell you right now, I cannot answer that question for you. If you're like me, in the summers, we don't do small groups or anything like that. Sometimes my uh, quiet time, I struggle with it. I wrestle with it. You know, I like open the Bible in the morning. It's like, well, what, what am I supposed to read today? I don't have a structure. Well, here you go. Here's something for you if you're like me and you're looking for something to do this summer When you open your word, examine your heart and what motivates you in stewardship individually. Matthew 6, 21 says this, and this is why it's so important to ask and answer this question for ourselves. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart of stewardship, I'm going to break it down into two categories, okay? Righteous motivators... Those are motivators that glorify God and sinful motivators, ones that glorify ourselves. Righteous motivators, uh, worship and giving. That's why we give in the middle of worship here because it is an act of worship to give back some of what God has given us. Okay. Uh, a good corresponding verse to that is 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. Let me flip to it here for you. Nine, six, and seven. Yes, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Where is our heart in the stewardship of our treasure? Obedience. Second, righteous motivator, obedience. Tithing is showing obedience. If you take my challenge and uh, look into stewardship of finances this summer in your quiet times, you will find that tithing is kind of just the start, okay? Tithing is just the start. There's actually a lot of commands in the Bible on how to give and what to give. Finally, third righteous motivator, Work, work. We see in this parable that these guys, two out of the three at least, they got to work. They got what they received and they got out there. The uh, text says at once, at once. They didn't wait around, bin watch Hulu and figure out what they're going to do with their money. They got out there and they got to work. There is a sense of urgency to stewarding your treasure. Why? Two weeks ago, Kurt taught on stewardship of time. We don't know the hour when Christ will return. And I don't want to be caught wondering, man, should I have done more? And look, Christ may not return in our lifetime. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. So if he doesn't, I want my kids and my grandchildren to see that I stewarded my money to honor the Lord. Okay? So that when Jesus comes in their time, if he does, they're prepared or at least got some things together. There's a sense of urgency to stewarding your treasure. All right, now let's look at the third servant here. We're going to jump ahead real quick to where he's kind of giving his account of why he did what he did. And we see that uh, he's got excuses, right? Right? I know that you are a hard man, you reap where you did not sow, you gather where you have no seeds, so I was afraid, and I hid your talent in the ground. First, sinful motivator, and these sinful motivators have idols attached because an idol idol is our treasure misplaced in our hearts, right? So these motivators have idols. The first one is security. Y'all, there is nothing more secure than getting... Uh, 400K, digging a hole and burying it in the ground, okay? That is secure. No risk there. The idol is control. That third servant wanted complete control over what he had been given, so he dug a hole and put it in the ground. No one was going to touch it. No risk. Hopefully an earthquake or a sinkhole doesn't appear out of nowhere and it falls into the chasm of the earth, right? It's safe. Freedom. We're going to kind of deviate from our third servant example here now. Freedom. Financial freedom. Financial independence. It's something that a lot of people in this country strive for. And just on the surface, it's not a bad thing. It sounds pretty awesome to me, actually. But the idol is comfort. The idol is comfort, right? We want nice things to feel comfortable. need that lake house so my grandkids can really experience life and we can live in comfort. And we can sip lemonade in the afternoon and watch the tide roll in. Status. Status. We are motivated by status. And we put our treasure in power. I just got back into the coaching realm, okay? And there's a lot of certifications that you can get as a coach. And you can add it to your email. Travis Janeway, comma, whatever. Right? Status. Power. Power. Things that we're motivated by, misplaced treasures, approval. And this one, y'all, this one is tough, okay? It's tough for me. Approval from people. You make people an idol, whether it's at work, whether it's your friends or your family. If we make people our treasure and we're motivated by their approval, we're going to find that quickly crumbles. Look, I've got two young daughters, young enough still where they can do wrong stuff and it's okay because they're just so innocent, right? The one-and-a-half-year-old is just now starting to understand like when mom and dad say no, it actually means like don't do it, okay? So we're just now starting this thing. And if I'm honest with myself and I look back at when I was a kid, I disappointed my parents and I know that my kids are going to disappoint me at some point. So if I put my treasure in my kids and they disappoint me, man, that's, going to, that's crushing, right? It's crushing. I'm not even mentioning, uh, for the purposes of today, greed, because I think that's an obvious one. And frankly, I don't see greed in this parable, but that's also an idol and a motivator, um, which is one to watch out for. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10 says this, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I've got to deliver some tough news, guys. I'm sorry, but it's just what the Bible says. And we believe that the Bible is true, and it's the inerrant word of God. Let's go back to um, Matthew 25. And we look at verses uh, 24 and 25 still. We're looking at the excuses. And can you guys put yourself in the shoes of that third servant, right? When he was given his talent to steward, Alright, what am I going to do with this? Thinking to himself, what am I going to do with this? I know who the master is. Okay, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to bury it in the ground. That's a great idea. That sounds good? Yes. Yes, that's what I'll do. Security. I'll have control. Nice. Alright, that's what I'm going to do. Don't we do that in our own heads? With whatever financial or treasure decision we might have? Don't we do that? Oh, we need this. We need that. Because it'll really put this whole thing together. Yes. And gosh, man, I drive a lot for work. I ought to have a nice car because I want people to see me in this nice car anyway. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Okay, I can do this? Yes, this is it. But then when you have to come to give an account, it doesn't sound as nice as it did in your head. I mean, listen to this. Uh, Master, I knew you'd be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Ah, there it is, comes out. Fear, fear, as we can justify our poor poor stewardship in our minds really, really easily. We see that the third servant is scolded. If he knew so much about his master's plans, he should have at least stuck it in the bank where he can get some interest, because that was a thing back then. It's not really today. But... it also shows that he should have done something at once. Okay, interest takes time to build, right? Interest takes time. But instead, he just buried it and left it. He should have gotten to work at once. Make no mistake that stewardship of treasure requires a sense of urgency because we do not know the hour when Jesus will return. Which takes us to the second part of analysis for this scripture today. The now and the eternal. Time and talent. We talked about it the previous two weeks. Hop to our website, download those, listen to them if you weren't here. How to steward your time, how to steward your talent goes great with uh, this message too, stewarding our treasure. We must have integrity. Okay? We must have integrity and we see that in stewarding a treasure in the servant number 1 and number 2. But we came here for application today, right? Came here for application. What how can I apply this to my life, right? So let's get out. We're talking about principles. Let's apply this now. Here it is. Application number one for you, stewarding your treasure. Here we go. Pray about what you have and what you're giving. Pray about what you have and what you are giving. I was talking to somebody about this message leading up to it, and he said it really plainly. So I'm going to say it really plainly to you. Does your bank account reflect where your heart is? Um. Number two, trust God. Trust God. He gives you everything you need. Trust God. Okay? Matthew 10, 29, 31. You may, this is like a famous one. Your grandmother probably told it to you. I know my grandmother did. We're going to talk about the sparrows. All right? Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? God knows your circumstances. He knows exactly what he has given you, okay? But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. If God figures out how the sparrows are going to eat every single day, God is going to take care of you. If he's worth if the sparrows are worth so much to him, how much more are you, his creation, made in his image? You are worth so much more to him. Okay? Trust God and don't add debt. My family has debt. I had uh, a very expensive trip through college. Okay? My, my family uh, valued education a lot. We just got there, said we'd figure it out later. Well, we're figuring it out now. Okay? Paying for all that college now. Uh, But we work very hard not to add any other debt. Why? Because we trust God with what he gives us. We trust God with what he gives us. So if I am going out and buying things on credit left and right, I'm saying that what God's giving me isn't enough. I need credit to buy it. Third application. If you have an issue or a serious problem with your finances and you know it, Get help. Get help. I'm serious, y'all. I had I had to get help. Um, I was proactive in it, luckily. I took Financial Peace University, which is one of D- Dave Ramsey's things. There's a lot of them out there. Okay, but get help. Take control of it. We do not know the hour when Christ will return. Sense of urgency. But here's the really big thing, right? So uh, Matthew 6, 21, we read that already. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Three verses later, verse 24 No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So if you need it, get it, guys. Get the help you need. No shame in it. Uh, We have an older couple that we go to a lot, we probably don't go to them enough, with money decisions, they're older, they're Christians, they're wiser, they've done more life, they've seen more stuff, it's a great place to start, okay? Number four, application number four, I've already said it, I'll reiterate it again, it's one of my favorite coachisms, for the summer too, get to work, get to work, you have talents, you don't have that much time, get to work, okay? Work is good, work is good, God honors work, especially if you look at Colossians 3, 23, 24, says this. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And the Lord is good, man. He is sweet. This morning I opened up a devotional that I hadn't opened up in a long time. And the first line of it was, you do not work to provide for your family. You work for the Lord. And I was like, hey, I'm going to talk about that today. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, right? I've got a boss. You guys probably have a boss too. If you don't, if you're the boss, i like to be there one day too, okay? But more responsibility right you work for the lord you work for the lord and you will receive the inheritance as your reward we see it in the first two uh servants in matthew 25 they stewarded their money and then the master says great you doubled what i gave you to steward awesome i will set you over much they didn't I mean I will, you can enter into the joy of your master, right? That's just cuz they did their job and they did it well. They stewarded what they were given well. There are eternal implications for how we steward our treasure. But before we jump to that, real quick, we've got another possible homework assignment for you guys this summer in your quiet times thinking about money. In the future, okay, here's your homework assignment. I'm going to try my best to be at this Thursday's um, community gathering. No promises, little kids, bedtime's at 7.30, smack in the middle. But if you get a chance to look this up, come find me. Let me know what you found. The homework assignment is where does the Bible talk about retirement? Where does the Bible talk about retirement? Let me know what you find, okay? Here we go. Uh, eternal implications. You guys know the answer already. I don't pretend to know how all this works. Okay. I don't pretend to know how all this works. All the intricacies of this, but we gotta flip back to verse 25 or chapter 25 in Matthew, the last few verses, 28 through 30. So, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Guys, I don't know how that works. I'll just be honest with you. I don't know how that works. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That verse 30 description of that outer darkness, this is not the only time Jesus uses that description in teaching the kingdom of heaven and what it's like to be outside of it. This is, there's other places in Matthew where Jesus uses this description. Okay, so, all right, fine, Travis. Well warned, I got some applications, but I still I still don't know what to do, okay? How about, how about I give you some hope? Okay? We can, all, we can all use that. If you're in a bad spot, guess what? There's hope. Stewarding your treasure is not easy. Stewarding your finances, stewarding whatever is your treasure is not easy, okay? But we worship and have access to a, the one true God of mercy and grace he self-proclaims that he is the God of mercy and grace. And this grace is in his son, Jesus. The man who spoke these very words, whose father is God, he knows what's going on. He He's tapped in to his father's work and his father's plans. So when he's speaking, he knows exactly what he's saying. And he offered himself to us And we don't have to steward anything to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. We just have to say yes. We submit. Lord, here is my life. I'm not good at this stewardship stuff. Lord, please take this. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. That's the hope that we have. And honestly... As we look at this parable, right, If we're going to say that the body of believers are those three servants, they represent us. The third servant was trusted at the beginning, kind of fell from there, but well, there's even hope for him, y'all. There's even hope for him. It's not too late. There is a sense of urgency, but it's not too late. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we will um, enter into a time of communion. And we're really just going to take off right from where I closed this. That there is a free offering to us for salvation, for hope in our life. Guys, way beyond stewardship and stuff. Way beyond steward stewardship and stuff. That's just the beginning. So Let me pray. Lord, um, we love you and trust you. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. You... we're lucky to have it, God. We're lucky to be able to read. We're lucky to be able to have access to your word. And we do not take it for granted. And, Lord, I just pray that um, anything tough that I said today, Lord, I pray that it came out um, with love, your love, Lord. Um, And, God, I just just recognize that there probably are people hurting in here. Things are tight. Um, Every little money decision is a big deal. Lord, I know what that's like, and Lord, you know. You know our hearts. You know every hair on our head. So, Lord, we just trust you with all this time, talent, and treasure, and we look to you, we look to your son for how to steward it in a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're going to enter into a time of communion where uh, we remember Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. He died for our sins and uh, really just made us right with our Heavenly Father. We are rebellious people, right? We rebel against God. We want control. We want to be our own God. We want control. And so uh, Christ said, Hey, you guys can't do it. I can. I can be the ultimate sacrifice. So he died on a cross, bared all of our sin. But it didn't end there. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose. He was resurrected. He conquered sin and death. And we have the chance to uh, receive God's inheritance in heaven because of what Christ did. So we go into a time where we remember that. And it's called communion. We're going to have people distributing communion on either side here. we take the bread, which um, Jesus took the night before he was tra- betrayed. He broke the bread. and He said, here is my body broken for you. And then he said, here is the cup. Here is my blood shed for you. And this is just a time to remember, a time to reflect on Christ's sacrifice for us. If you are not um, calling upon Jesus as your Lord and Savior... Wherever you're at, this is a time to reflect. There are people that want to pray for you in the back if you want to be prayed for. Um, but this is a participatory act for those who call on the name of Christ. Um, and if that's not you, that's fine. Take this time to reflect. And uh, don't um, you know, don't, stay, don't stay in your seat if you need to get up and talk to somebody. Let me just pray over communion real quick. Lord, uh, your son was a perfect sacrifice for us. We just acknowledge that we couldn't do it on our own, ever. And, um, Lord, we just recognize the power in the crucifixion and death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, Lord, that he conquered sin and death and uh, that we can accept that gift freely, Lord. Thank you so much for putting that all together, being the author of our salvation. It's in uh, your son's name that we pray. Amen.